which is sprint, maintain, go faster. And I learned this in my track days from my old track coach. So when you first start out, understanding that it's not about what you know, it's not even necessarily about who you know, it's more importantly about who knows you, right? Who's willing to put their stamp of approval on your name? And so that was a big deal for me because as I got out here, when we're, especially when we're young, we're thinking that, listen, I got to know everything. I got to be the smartest, right? Or we're thinking that, hey, Jacob can say, oh, I know Casanova. Well, what happens if you come to, uh, if someone else, you went to someone, let's say someone you were trying to get a job from and you say, oh, hey, I know Casanova. And that person then knows me as well. And you tried to bridge that gap. So they come to me and they say, hey, Casanova, do you know Jacob? I say, oh man, Jacob? That high, listen, he's still in high school, but I've not seen too many kids that have the work ethic that he has, that has the drive that he has, and that has the intellectual ability to just win like he has. If you got an opportunity to get Jacob on your team, you got to lock that down. Now, how likely is he to hire you? Right? A lot more. Hey guys, welcome back to the Venture Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us, we have an award-winning real estate agent and investor, as well as a published author and influential speaker, Casanova Brooks. What's up, Casanova? What's up, my man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, me too, man. So to start things off, I was hoping you could give us a little bit of context about your journey and as to how you got started and then build up to where you are now. Yeah, there's a lot to, to uncover and unpack. I know we don't have that much time, so I want to keep it, you know, brief, but at the same time, substance for your, your listeners. Um, for me, I always like to describe myself when they say, who am I? I think of myself as just purely a relationship builder. So, of course, a lot of people have come to know me through the angle of real estate or now being an author or sharing my story, but I always like to think of relationships as the foundation of everything that I've done. So a little bit background on me. I'm originally from uh, inner city, south side of Chicago. I was raised in a single parent household, which was my mom. My dad was never around, so my grandma kind of stepped in to be the father figure in my life, and I think she did a great job of trying to help where she could. Um, I'm the only child on my mom's side, but on my dad's side, last I knew I had 13 brothers and sisters. Uh, so a lot of them, but my dad never, you know, did a very good job of bridging a relationship. So really I grew up as an only child. Um, and that's kind of where it started at for me. Then when I was about 13 years old, my parents decided to move me. When I say my parents, I mean my mom and grandma again, they decided to move me from Chicago to Sioux City, Iowa which is in the middle of essentially almost nowhere, uh, a huge culture change for me, right? Being 13, being just finishing off middle school, and now I have a huge um, obstacle to overcome, which is I didn't see a lot of people who continued to look like me, and on top of that, I had to really build all new friendships. I had to start over in a brand new city. So I, I, I started to, again, build a lot of relationships, and that was what I focused on to make sure that I could uh, really just untap or tap into any of my potential. And then I went through a couple different storms in life. One of my bigger storms that, you know, a lot of people ask me about is when I was 15 years old, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, lymphoma. And so I went through 
two years of chemotherapy. I went through everything that anyone else experiences when it comes to the C word. And that was a big time for me because I was a sophomore in high school. I was active in sports. I was a pretty popular kid. Um, and then all of a sudden be told that I'm two weeks away from death if I don't go through all of this treatment and everything else. It was, you know, a huge blowback. On top of that, my parents didn't have the financial resources, so we relied on a lot of assistance my mom and grandma did to be able to get me through this, um, not only financially, but also the support-wise of you know taking me back and forth to hospitals and things like that. But again, I had a strong support system in those two women, so that helped me out tremendously. Um, then fast-forwarding um, to when I became... I, I guess I, I'll, t I'll let you lead as in like, how far do you want me to go along with this story? All the way, man. Got it. So, so finished off when I was 17 years old, I finished off uh, high school. Then I wound up going to the university of Iowa, um, which is where I started at college. Now for me being in a, I, I would imagine this might resonate with a lot of your audience because for me being a 17 year old boy, when I graduated and nobody in my family ever went to college, they never owned houses, cars, or even business. So I didn't know anything about where my direction was going in life, right? Like for me, I was just, I was going through the motions. Not that I was doing bad. I wasn't messing up, but a lot of people would say, oh my God, Casanova, you know, if you keep your head on right, you could be whatever you want to be. Well, the problem was I never saw anybody who was aspiring or who was doing what I aspired to do. Let's put it that way. So I was like, okay, well, what exactly can I be? So I always had to turn to like the TV. And at these days, you know, obviously I didn't have YouTube and, and all these other things, which was showing me like, hey, I could, I could just sign up for an online course so I could watch a whole bunch of YouTube videos and, and really learn the tricks of the trade, whether it was drop shipping or any of those things. So for me, I just turned to TV and uh, I'm dating myself a little bit, even though I'm not that old. But at the time, me growing up, uh, my favorite show was VH1's The Fabulous Life Of, right? And that was like MTV's version of, of uh, Cribs. And so I would see guys like Richard Branson. I would see these billionaires that had yachts and islands and all these things. And that was where I got a lot of my excitement, my curiosity from. And I couldn't wait to really go out on my own and try to make my dreams come true. What did that exactly mean? I'll be honest, I didn't really know. But I've seen that they had it. So I think that kind of showed me that, hey, it's possible. So I started my entrepreneurial journey, I would say early on, probably even from like the age of eight but I just kept exposing myself to different things I was never one to say ah this can't work because nobody else could tell me that it couldn't work because they weren't doing anything that like I wanted to do so it always looked like like how can you tell me that when you've never done it nor are you doing anything that I want to do so I didn't really listen to those things um it wasn't until I got to about 22 to 23 um, where I was having my first son. At this time, I mean, like I said, I've tried some of everything. So I am a true entrepreneur. I am a true entrepreneur. When I say I've tried everything, like I played online poker for a living for two years. Um, I, when it got shut down, this was back about what, seven, eight years ago. When it got shut down, I wound up getting my passport and moving to Canada uh, for a month so I could continue to play online poker. And then, but I had a son on the way. So then I came back. I mean, I sold shoes. I've sold vacuums. Like I did it all, man. Just trying to figure out where was my path in life. Well, I started to serve tables and this was a big deal for me because what this taught me was that 
I would have so many regulars. This is early on, and this is a mid-level restaurant. So um, think it, like the, I guess the average plate was probably somewhere around like eighteen to twenty dollars. So it wasn't too high end, but it wasn't like an Applebee's or anything like that, right? And so for me, I started to serve tables, and I got a lot of regulars that came in. And what that quickly taught me was that you and your family, Jacob, you could have came in any restaurant, you know, that given night. But you chose to come, and then if I would see you all, and I'd be like, hey, what's up? Like, what are you guys doing? And just making small talk, and like, yeah, we just come to eat. I'm like, oh, you guys waiting on a table? And you're like, yeah, Casanova. Well, actually, we're waiting, on a t- we're waiting on that table in your section. It looks like those people are about to get up. And so after that started to continuously happen to me, I was like, wow. Like, it dawned on me that, listen, you and your family and your friends, you could have went anywhere in the city that given night. But not only did you choose to come to this restaurant, you chose to wait in a, in a world of instant gratification. And we all want it now, you know, to be able to sit in my section because you knew that I would take care of you. You knew that I wouldn't hassle you and you knew that you would have a good time. So from there, I just kept continuously building relationships with clients and things like that. And then that was where I got essentially my first job offer because I had a big car dealership that was in uh, my, my town at the time, which is Sioux city. Um, I'd had him and his family multiple times and he had came in and, and, um, and he had said, you know, he started to ask me what I was looking for, things like that. Well, he never told me he was going to offer me a job, but I'll tell you what happened. Shortly after, I wound up going into his dealership to buy my first car from my buddy. And he sees me out there and he says, hey, is that Casanova? And he says, yeah. He says, ask him if he has any interest in selling cars. And so he, my buddy comes back out and he's like, hey, you know, Justin, who's the general manager, he says he wants to know if you want to sell cars. At this time, I'm serving tables, right? I've never really had a real, real job that I've stuck with, or at least one that I felt could earn me six figures. So initially, because I knew nothing about cars, I couldn't tell you a 1970 Nova, I couldn't, none of that. Um, So I turned it down. But as all sales managers are, um, he was very persistent and he had me just come and and uh, sit down with him. And he asked me, you know, what are your goals in life? And, and I said, you know what, I don't really know where I'm trying to get to right now. All I know is I want to make six figures. And he says, well, let me ask, how much did you make last year? And I said, well, you know, I got to make my own schedule, but I was one of the top servers. I was getting a lot of cash tips and I was somewhere around like 45,000. And he's like, well, you see all three of those guys who are outside of my office. And I look back and he's got like these glass windows outside of his office. And I say, yeah. And he said, well, all three of those guys made over 90 grand last year, two of which made over 110. And now he's pushing my, my hot spots, right? My hot buttons. Cause he's figured out again, what my pain points are, what I'm really looking for. So he's like, listen, I'm not saying that you're going to come in and make a hundred thousand dollars right away. He was like, but what I can tell you is I know potential when I see it and you got potential. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So long story short, he wound up recruiting me to uh, go sell cars. And within six months I, fi- I wound up finishing, um, car salesman of the month, two months in a row. And I just came off my first 10 K month. So this was big for me because at this time, my son's just born, um, but I just came off a 10K month, but I'm at a a crossroads in my life. And the reason why I say that is because at a car dealership, if you've ever worked or anybody of your listeners that's ever worked at a dealership, um, you got to spend a lot of time there. Right. And at this time, I was also exposed to network marketing. I got recruited by one of my old football coaches to do network marketing. And then it also exposed me to personal development one of which was the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
right? So if you've never read it or if any of your listeners never read it, I would definitely highly encourage you to read that book just on financial literacy and how the world works in the financial sense. So I read that and what that really taught me is that I was trading my time for money. I couldn't sell a car if I wasn't at the dealership. So I was like, man, okay, well, I got to figure out a way that I don't got to trade my time and my hours for money. And that was where I decided that I was going to take another job. But really my primary focus at that time was building my network marketing business, right? But I quickly found that that network marketing business in particular was not for me, right? So a lot of the values and the personal development that I did get exposed to, like rich dad, poor dad, go for no, richest man in Babylon, think and grow rich, all these other things were monumental and framing my, my mindset. But at the same time, I knew that these, this particular product and service was not for me. So I wound up getting out of the network marketing and uh, I was in the corporate world at this time as a digital marketing consultant. And within nine months, I finished number eight in the entire company, which is a billion dollar company. And I finished number eight in all inside sales. So I was breaking a lot of records. And again, I knew nothing about digital marketing nine months prior. So I was looking to, again, keep challenging myself. And even though I'm winning all these awards and accolades and getting all this recognition, I wanted to try my hand at management. And uh, the, I remember distinctly, like my managers and my directors and all that, it's like, hey, Casanova, we love what you're doing. But only problem is there's, there's not a, a management position that's open right now, even though they're hiring for managers left and right. And so they're like, but keep doing what you're doing. And they had me leading all these like emerging leader programs and all this other stuff. So I'm like, ah, I see where this is going. So from there, I decided on my off time, right? When I got done with that eight to five, I was looking at YouTube heavy. I was looking at what's going to be my next challenge. What's going to be my next direction in life. And I wound up coming across a video of a mentor of mine and uh, he's, he's in the real estate space, but he was big in the real estate space. This was even about six, seven years ago. And uh, I looked at his trajectory and basically he said something to me in a YouTube video that it just struck my heart. And he had said, you know, you got to figure out a way to be the Lord of your land. And I was like, wow, like what the, hell, what the hell does that mean? But it sounded so powerful to me at the time. Right. And so I was just like, oh man, like that, that was huge. And so from there I was like, okay, um, if I'm going to be the Lord of my land, I got to figure out how do I own real estate? And that was where it came from. I looked at his trajectory though. And I noticed that before he had really got into the investing side, he was a celebrity realtor. So I figured, listen, I know nothing about real estate, but what I do know is I can get my license. I can build relationships with other people, help them buy, sell, and invest. And then I'll take my commissions and buy the real estate myself. And so that was kind of my journey um, of how I got into real estate in the beginning. And, and that's uh, where I think we could probably stop it for now. That's awesome. That's a great story, man. And there's a lot of things there. And I, I want to go through each thing, but start it off. You know, you talk a lot about the advice that you give. Um, you talk a lot about building relationships. So what advice could you give to the audience or anyone listening that might struggle building, cultivating relationships? Yeah, I, I love that you asked this question. I think the first thing that I really had to do was I, I had to understand that there's a, there's a concept behind, this is what I tell people all the time. There's something that I say, which is sprint, maintain, go faster. And I learned this in my track days from my old track coach. So when you first start out, understanding that it's not about what you know, it's not even necessarily about who you know, it's more importantly about who knows you right? Who's willing to put their stamp of approval on your name? 
And so that was a big deal for me because as I got out here, when we're, especially when we're young, we're thinking that, listen, I got to know everything. I got to be the smartest, right? Or we're thinking that, hey, Jacob can say, oh, I know Casanova. Well, what happens if you come to, uh, if someone else, you went to someone, let's say someone you were trying to get a job from and you say, oh, hey, I know Casanova. And that person then knows me as well. And you tried to bridge that gap. So they come to me and they say, hey, Casanova, do you know Jacob? And I say, ah, I don't really know Jacob. I mean, I, I ran into him a couple of times. He seems like a good kid, but I don't like know him like that. Now, how willing is he to hire you? Eh, maybe you might, but, but now you didn't stand out from the crowd. But let me ask you this. If he comes to me and I say, oh man, Jacob, that high, listen, he's still in high school, but I've not seen too many kids that have the work ethic that he has, that has the drive that he has, and that has the intellectual ability to just win like he has. If you got an opportunity to get Jacob on your team, you got to lock that down. Now, how likely is he to hire you? Right? A lot more. So for me, when it comes to the turns of sprint, maintain, go faster, what does that exactly mean? I think early on, you have to figure out how you can initiate a lot of contacts because the world, it's a contact sport. Even in real estate, I tell new agents when they reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting into real estate, right? Or even they're thinking about getting into business. Understand that if you're thinking about starting a business or whatever career that you're in, there's only two reasons why you won't stay in business. One is people forgot about you, or two, people don't know who you are, right? The only way that you can cure those two things is that you have to make contacts. So when you talk about sprinting, it's making as many contacts as you can, right? And understanding how to effectively communicate with people. If you don't know exactly how to effectively communicate, one of the books that I love that builds off of this principle is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie right? And it really breaks everything down. Now, there's a lot of other ones, but I think that's a foundational one that is very, very digestible and anyone can read. So as you start to sprint, think of it like a track race. You're getting out of the gates. You're hitting as many people as you can, right? And understanding that this is a marathon more so than a sprint. So it's a track race, but you got to run it for the long haul. And then as you start to get out there and you're meeting a lot of people, understanding that some relationships are going to stick whether it's family or friends. But then what you'll find yourself doing is two to three to even maybe five years along your journey, right? Now you've understood that, hey, I know what to do, but now I'm just maintaining, right? There's no growth, right? And, and what you have to do then is you have to really assess where you are in life and where you're really trying to get to. So it doesn't matter what your age is right now. Let's say that you're 21 years old right now. If you look back, you've had some friendships since you were 15. And those friendships have been maintained. You know that the love is there. You know that you can count on those people, but there's no growth with those friendships, right? So this comes to the last stage of go faster or accelerate. So when you think about it, once you're, you're finishing the end of this race, right? It's always a journey, but once you're coming and you can kind of see your finish line, for you, your finish line is whatever success looks like for you. What does that mean? That means that you have to go faster. And what often comes with that is you have to separate yourself from the pack, right? That means some people are going to get left behind because you're running and you got your eyes on a prize. So from there, as you go faster, you have to figure out who are the people that are going to push me as I go running harder towards the finish line. Because if you see that you're 100 meters away and somebody else is on your tail, now you can't afford to slow down. 
they have that same go faster mentality. So that's where I use the, the concepts. And that's what I would encourage people to do is to look at that to say, what phase am I in right now? How can I learn to effectively communicate? And how can I ultimately build my environment around a lot of people that want to go faster? Man, that's great advice. Um, I actually read How to Win Friends and Influence People like two years ago. And it was a really key book in like helping me to understand um, how to communicate with other people and like how your words matter and how they're perceived other people versus what you intended them to mean. I, I think it's so key that you mentioned that. So now hypothetically, you know, let's keep going. You've built a relationship and you're on the path of entrepreneurship in your life. You're on the path of creating your own path. And whenever you create your own path, like, the, like I've realized with the podcast, there's no rubric. You're your own boss. You are determining what needs to be done and how you do it. And I think that can be kind of intimidating to a lot of people. So I was hoping you could talk about like maybe some internal guidelines you follow or how you go about creating your own path. Yeah, so I think the first thing is surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you. When you think about it, to be a true entrepreneur, you have when we first start out and we say we want to get into the entrepreneurship game, especially when we're younger, we start out as solopreneurs, right? And that means that we're doing we're wearing a lot of hats. We're doing everything ourselves. Right. And that's that's OK to start out. But you have to quickly understand that you don't need to have all of the answers, nor do you need to do all of the legwork. Right. Think about the most wealthiest people. Think about Jeff Bezos, for example. Think about Bill Gates. Bill Gates isn't building any computers, nor is he marketing himself. Jeff Bezos isn't boxing any of that stuff up, nor is he hopping in a van and driving it to you, nor is he going to talk to the people who are building the products to get them to put them on the Amazon site. He's empowered a lot of other people to work in their strengths. So for you, and this is something we talk about a lot when it comes to real estate investing, but I think it can be applied to any part of life or any business, is you have to figure out who are the key people that you can put on your team. Let's use real estate investing, for example. Here's a couple key factors of what you need. One, you, if you need a partner, let me say this. You can be everything, but a lot of the times that's not the best way because leverage is the best way. So now let's tackle this back in. You need someone with credit right? You might not have any credit. So you might be thinking, oh my God, like the banks don't want to look at me because I don't have any credit and I've yet to build it. You need someone with the money, even if you have very good credit, but you don't have 20% down, right? That's a problem. So banks still want you to have some type of equity or cash in the deal. You also need someone that can put in the labor, right? You might not be the person that can swing a hammer. You might not be the person that knows anything about construction, and then you also need someone with the knowledge that has built this before of what you're trying to do. So there's multiple components that I think that you need to surround yourself with. As I start to create my own path every day, I'm always trying to constantly put someone else in front of me who has the skills of what I'm looking to do. So prime example, as I build my online um, part of my business, right? From offline to online, now you have to figure out who's the person that understands email marketing. Who's the person that understands copywriting? Who's the person that understands funnels? Click funnels, Kajabi, it doesn't matter what it is. Who's the person that understands ads? All these different things, video editing, audio editing. You can't do everything. And at the end of the day, you don't need to do everything. You just need to empower the other people to see your vision and build something bigger than themselves. 
I completely agree with that, man. I think you're right. When people get started, it's they have to do everything by themselves. But the beauty of it is as you continue to scale and grow and you can bring more people to the team, you yourself can focus on just one aspect and then delegate everything else off. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. And um, before I forget, since we're running a little bit short on time, where can people look you up to find out more about you? Yeah, so um, the, the number one thing I would say is uh, I have a podcast as well. It's called the Dream Nation Podcast. So that podcast is where people can connect with me. Um, if you're looking for social media sites, I am on Instagram the most. I'm very active on Instagram. It's Casanova, C-A-S-A-N-O-V-A underscore Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm pretty accessible wherever it is, but Instagram is where I, I am the most active. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, definitely, man. And I'll link those in the description so that you guys are listening can swipe up and check it out. And before we go, I've got one last question, but first a little bit of context for you. So when you died, the only thing that matters, the difference that you made or the impact that you had. So with that being said, what difference or what impact are you looking to make? For me, I believe that everything starts with a dream, right? And my purpose on this world to inspire people to dream bigger and create more. And within creation, of course, comes execution, right? And so you can't create anything if you don't take action. So for me, I believe that everything starts with a dream. And those of us who dare to continue to dream while the rest of the world is settling for what society tells us is our reality, we're the ones who stand to be trailblazers and change makers. So that's for me what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure that I continue to dream and I continue to create more.